following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Father God, thank you for Thank you, God, that you have a purpose to accomplish in this word you've given us today, Lord. You want to see it planted in our hearts. You want to see your spirit connect with our spirits. Lord, you want to plant a seed that then grows from here. God, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a problem today, and I'm hoping maybe you can help me with it. Uh, I'm sure all of you have some expectations here that I'm going to you know, stand up front, and I'm going to say some things that, you know, matter to you, maybe connect with you, engage you, you know, feels like you really needed to hear it kind of thing, right? Maybe if everything really goes well, you might say at the end of this, that message was for me. Well, wait until you hear my opening remarks before you get too excited. This message is for all the sheep here today, all the followers. Today, God has a word to pass on to all the weak, all those who can't take care of themselves, all the needy, dependent creatures. This message is for you. So you see my problem? <laughs> now we're in church, so I'm sure some of you here are going to be really spiritual today and are like, you know, I know where he's going, but it's going to be okay. It's all Bible stuff. It's going to apply eventually. But let's be real. If we weren't in church... How many of you would see yourself in those words? Or here's a kicker, like here's how you would know, right? If you happened completely on accident, of course, to overhear a group of your coworkers or your friends talking about you, know, talking about what you, they think about you, and those words come out, is pretty much a sheep. Uh, yeah, she's, she's kind of needy, a little dependent, you know? That's really more of a follower, really. Now how do you feel? Because I'm going to guess that's not really how you see yourself. It's certainly not how you want others to see you, because it's not who you want to be. And well, who could blame you? I mean, the world has spoken, has it not? Strong is better than weak. Self-sufficient is better than dependent. Leading is better than following. And almost any animal we could be compared with would be better than a sheep. Isn't that the consistent message that we would get across our society? Isn't that the consistent message that we see taught in our schools, written about in books, reinforced in our entertainment? I mean, just in my own life, I can tell you, I have read a lot of leadership books. I have been to a number of leadership courses and training events. I have been on leadership teams. You know, I've had some training, some, some, some formal training in followership, but I know... I, I don't think I've read any followership books. I definitely have not had any followership courses, been to no followership events. No. Nope. You know, the, the, the followership training I've gotten is really always just a step to the next thing. It's just a little piece of, oh, you've got to be a follower if you're going to be a really good leader. It's just a piece that we talk about for just a moment, and then we move right along to what we really want to hear about, leadership. Yeah. But we really need to talk about sheep today. And here's why. Because the God of the universe wants you to be one of his. 
all that stuff that you and I don't identify with or don't want to identify with, all that stuff that is just completely rejected in this world, our vulnerability, our need, our embarrassingly sheep-like nature, that forms a space where God wants to move, where God wants to bless, God wants to redeem, God wants to act in that space. And before you stop listening to me entirely this morning, because you're too much of a leader, or maybe you are a self-made man or a self-made woman, or, or because you haven't been vulnerable in the last two years at all, know this, some of God's best promises are tied to a particular audience. They are those, they are for those who fall under the leadership of the Good Shepherd. They're for those who Jesus calls his sheep. So if you really want the good stuff, listen on, because Jesus has a message for his sheep. Now, since the beginning of the year, we've been in this series titled, I Am, Who Are You?, where we're trying to do two things at once, really. First of all, we want to understand more about who God is, because as infinite, as mind-blowing, as unknowable as God is, incredibly, he is also a God who reveals himself to us. I mean, there's no way we could take it all in. There's no way we could understand everything about God or master the subject, but God understands that, and he's a God who wants to be known. So we see throughout history, throughout God's word, and especially in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is in the business of deliberately revealing himself to those with eyes to see and ears to hear. So in this series, we're looking at seven different statements the Son of God makes about himself that Jesus Christ made that include these two simple words, I am. He wants us to know him. But there's always a second aim to each of our messages as well, and that is the idea that when we see who Jesus is, there's always an opportunity to learn more about who we are as well, even if that is somewhat inconvenient, as it may seem today. So if you have your Bible with you or your Bible app, go ahead and turn or, or tap yourself to the same chapter that we looked at last week, John chapter 10. Now, Josh started off with this chapter last week, and, and he gave you some of the context for it. So if you missed that, I'm not going to repeat all of that. I invite you to go to our website and listen to the talk on the podcast. But this is an interesting section of Scripture. I mean, Jesus basically spends a whole chapter of the Bible talking about sheep and sheep-related topics. I mean, he's talking to a mixed crowd. Some of the crowd are his religious rivals. These are, these are the men of power in the Jewish religion, those with influence and respect and, and positions of authority. But he's also talking to a crowd of onlookers, Jewish, other Jewish people who are looking at kind of the same questions we are. They want to know, who is this Jesus? What does this mean for me? And what does Jesus think that this audience needs to know when he's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the people that say, you don't have the right to be doing what you're doing, what does Jesus talk to them about? Sheep and sheep-related topics. In fact, two of his seven famous I am statements are sheep-related. And after he finishes this teaching session it, with the I am statements, chapter 10 takes a little break and then it fast-forwards in time to a different occasion where Jesus met with a different group of Jews and Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. And you know what he's still talking to them about? Sheep and sheep-related topics. That's right. We can't even cover it all today. There's too much sheep talk to cover in just one message. 
but we better cover some of it, right? So let, let's read together in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Now, at first look, this passage just smacks you in the face with nothing but good news. I mean, who wouldn't love these five verses where Jesus promises twice that he's both a good shepherd and that he is willing to go so far as to lay his life down for his sheep? And if we'll take just a moment to think about this image just a little bit deeper, it becomes even more profound. I mean, think about what he is saying Let's say you were a shepherd. Congratulations. Today is your first day on the job. You got 100 sheep to look after. Make sure they're safe. Make sure they're fed. Make sure they're cared for. Job doesn't pay a whole lot. Sorry about that. Comes with no glory, no dignity. But it'll make a humble living. Okay? You are a shepherd. And you, being the best you that you know how to be, will probably try to be a good shepherd. You'll learn all about the sheep. You'll give them names. You'll, you'll get to know them. You'll pay attention to their needs, all of that. But answer yourself this. Would you die for a sheep? Now, I could pause for a really, really long time to let that sink in, let you really ponder through that, but I don't think you need it. You know the answer already, don't you? No way. No Wait, at least that's my answer. I'll tell you my answer, okay? If any situation ever came up where it's either me or the sheep, it's the sheep. <laughs> the sheep bites the dust in that situation. In fact, I can't think of a single realistic scenario on this planet where I would ever be willing to die for a sheep. What about, what, what about two sheep? No. <laughs> Same. What about 10 sheep? No. Same. What about, what, what if all the 100 sheep, the 100 sheep that I was charged with watching over, what if they were all going to be killed mercilessly unless I gave up my life? Yes, I'm out of a job and my employer's out of sheep. I am sorry. But Jesus gives us this incredible image that says, yeah, you, you don't really know what a good shepherd is unless you look at me. Not only might I die to save some sheep, just you watch, and you'll see me do it. It's going to happen. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Jesus really died to save people. That's totally different. I would do that. I would do that. There's something here I think we need to notice. I think we'd all agree, I hope we'd all agree, that there is a huge difference between the value of a human life and the value of a sheep's life, right? We might even use such an extreme statement as to say that a human life is, let's say, infinitely more valuable than a sheep's life. So it never would make sense to trade a human life for a sheep's life. 
unless you were somehow also saving other humans' lives by doing that, right? I mean, the, the general principle here would be don't ever give up what is infinitely more valuable for something that is infinitely less valuable. Fair enough, right? But get back to the good shepherd and his sheep. What is Jesus really referring to here? He is talking about God himself sacrificing himself for humans. I got to tell you, there's a bigger gap there than there is between humans and sheep. There is a way bigger gap there. It is very easy for me to say that God's life is infinitely more valuable than any human's life. And yet, Jesus tells us, this is who your God is. He's the shepherd who does the unthinkable. He's, he's the one that does the thing that everyone else would agree, that shouldn't have to happen. That shouldn't happen. But because he's willing to pay that cost, no, no because he has already paid that cost, he has made you and I, if we are his sheep, the most valuable thing that exists under heaven. If you have any other questions about whether this shepherd is good, whether he cares, whether he has your best interests in mind, see previous answer. If we can really get what Jesus is saying here, it's, it's a beautiful, encouraging picture. There is no one, literally no one, who is more invested in your well-being than Jesus. He stands alone. He's not just a pretty good shepherd. He's not just a good shepherd at all. He is the good shepherd with no equal. And in claiming this title, Jesus takes ownership of the world's favorite psalm, Psalm 23. You've probably heard it hundreds of times. Maybe you've even memorized it at some point in your life. I mean, this beautiful piece of scripture that starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At least that's the way it reads in the old King James Version that we've all heard so much and we, we like don't even want to change it because so many people have said it that way for so many years, right? More modern translations say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, or I have all that I need. I mean, if we had just one verse about God, one verse about who Jesus is, that'd be a pretty good one, wouldn't it? I mean, honestly, just, just think about the difference in your life for one week if you could truly embrace that verse. Jesus Christ, the Lord, is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I mean, on one hand, it's an incredible comfort. Look who's my shepherd. Look who's got my back. Look who's looking out for me, guiding me, protecting me. Look how valuable I am to have God himself personally caring for me, even paying for me with his life. Crazy, unthinkable stuff, but he's done it. If I truly believe this, Imagine how much comfort there is in that. But on the other hand, there's also an incredible challenge in those statements. Because I, if I really believe that I have all that I need, whoa, then how will I live? I won't wait 
to obey God anymore because I'm out of excuses. I've got all that I need. I won't be swayed by a world that is constantly trying to make me discontent with what I have so that I'll buy more of the things that I don't need. I'll actually learn a lot about what I really need versus what I think I need. I will actually have to trust God more if I believe this verse because so much of the stuff I need is not stuff that I own. It's stuff that I have in Him. And I'm going to say that one more time because when I wrote it down for the sermon, I was like, that's amazing. That is an amazing thought. If I truly believed that the Lord is my shepherd and I have all I need, then I will have to trust God more because so much of the stuff that I need is not stuff that I own. It's stuff that I have in Him. I only have it in that relationship. And we could go on and on. That's just one verse, and it shows us the huge difference that it would make to us if we would know Jesus as the good shepherd. Now, we could wrap things up right there, and a lot of you guys would be pretty happy. It would be a little short today. Um, I mean, we just talked about some of the best news in the Bible. We, we saw in Jesus' teaching a God who is willing to sacrifice his own life of infinitely higher value just to save our own. We looked at that simple and powerful declaration that God has already taken care of everything we need, and there was even a little bit of a challenge there to take home with you, right? Let's go. Except, I got to jump in really quick because some of you are going to just really take off. Except, we, we haven't talked about the who are you portion yet. If Jesus is the good shepherd, who are you? Who are we? As I said earlier, this is the part that you might not want to think about too much. I feel like we'd all really like it to go something like this. This is, this is the message we want today. Jesus is everybody's good shepherd, and we, a subset of everybody, are the people that he blesses. That's who we are. That's the teaching, right? Jesus will die for me. He will provide for me. He will guide me when I need it. Jesus will get me out of a jam if I ever so find myself in one. Jesus will protect me if I ever happen to need that because he's the good shepherd and I'm a person that he loves and blesses. But there's something more to it than that. See, that's the, here's the problem. I mean, Jesus is the good shepherd, true. You are a person that he loves and blesses, also true. But we remember that whole chapter of sheep and sheep-related topics, we can't just pick out the parts we like. Sure, it talks about an awesome good shepherd, but that shepherd constantly talks about a specific relationship he has with his word you and I don't identify with, sheep. Sheep. Ah! Last week, we looked at Jesus' statement, I am the gate. Well, keep reading, folks. He doesn't just say, I am the gate, period. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. In today's passage, the good shepherd that we love so much, he gives up his life, but not for anyone, not for everyone. There's actually a very specific benefactor he mentions. He says, I give my life up for my sheep. He says he knows his sheep. Oh, and his sheep actually know him as well. Early on in the same chapter, he talks about how he individually calls out his sheep by name. Again, we love the idea that God knows us deeply and personally, and he cares about us, he invests in us, but who does this teaching say that applies to? Who does this teaching say God does that for? It says he does it for his sheep. 
The good shepherd's benefits are not for everyone. They are for those who can honestly be called his sheep. We already talked about it. And I just don't think anybody, any of us like those words, like those labels. We are meant to be strong, confident leaders, not defenseless, fluffy, white creatures who follow the flock, right? But the Savior of the world promised to die and care for sheep, not strong, confident leaders. So now which one do you want to be? Which is better? Which is better? To be in great spiritual need or to be in great spiritual satisfaction? See, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So now which one do you want to be? Which is better? To present yourself to God as someone who has finally cleaned their life up or to go to God and drag out all of the garbage you have in you, put it in front of them and just go, help. Jesus answers this one in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 to 13. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now which one do you want to choose? Do you realize that these are all tests about honesty? I mean, I'm bringing them up as if they're just, you know, choices we would make to have better outcomes. Okay, Jesus is here to give the kingdom of heaven a group A. He's not giving it a group B. Which group do you want to be in? Easy answer, right? Pick A, get kingdom. Yes. But that's not really what happens. The reality is that group A are people choosing to be honest about who they are and who God is. And group B are lying to themselves. That's what Jesus is getting at. The poor in spirit know that they are in great need, that whatever is true, whatever is good and pure, it isn't something that comes from them. It's not something that's produced from them. They need to find its source in the one who created them. They receive the kingdom not because being poor is awesome. No, they receive the kingdom because they're honest about where they are and their need for God who can cross that gap. Same dynamic happens with those, you know, who present themselves as righteous versus those who present themselves as people who got a lot of garbage in their life. Only one of those groups is honest because the God's spoken truth is that everyone has sin to deal with. Those who claim to come to God as righteous already are either lying to themselves, not a good idea, or trying to lie to God, even worse. And, and pretty stupid. Could it be the same with this whole sheep thing? Could it be that, that everyone is desperately in need of a shepherd, but only some are really willing to admit it? See, I'm so glad that in our day and in our part of the world, nearly anyone can find a Bible. Nearly anyone can read through its pages and find truth, find hope, find out about who God is. Nearly anyone can hear God's word spoken in thousands upon thousands of churches. 
But there is still a big difference between knowing what God's Word says, just, you know, hearing that amazing first part of the message today that talks about how beyond good the Good Shepherd really is, and then actually experiencing that reality in our lives. There's still a big difference. You see, so many of God's promises are relational promises. They are promises that only take place within a relationship that he sets up. So many of God's promises are conditional promises. Yes, there is hope, there is love, there is goodness flowing through every page of God's word, but it shows up in the lives of people who live into what those pages call them to. That's what I want for us. I mean, this whole teaching series is about finding out who God has called us to be so that our whole lives can be lived from that place. Today, he's telling us we are called to be sheep. You don't have to like that, but you do have to decide what you're going to do with it. I have two suggestions for us. We'll start with this one. Admit your sheep-like nature. Admit it. You are like a sheep. If you can't do this one, don't expect the good shepherd to take you very far. Doctors don't work on healthy people. Jesus doesn't save righteous people. And the good shepherd doesn't lead his peers. He has no peers. He will only lead those who know themselves as his sheep. So now that we're talking about this, we're, we're in the mix, let's talk about what that means. What is our sheep-like nature? What do we need to admit to? And here, I think you can make up a bunch of things. You can say, oh, look at sheep and just say that, this, and that, you know? Sheep, uh, we're, we are soft, cuddly, and adorable. I guess I'll have to admit that, you know? You could say, we stink when we're left out in the rain and our fur gets all, our wool gets all wet and gross. I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. You could say, we're a valuable commodity for buying, selling, producing wool, and eating as lamb chops. I don't think any of those are at the center of what Jesus was getting at when he calls us sheep. So let's not go crazy with the illustration. Let's not think of all the ways that we could possibly work sheep into a conversation. Instead, let's just talk about three things that the Bible definitely talks about that we have in common with sheep. First of all, sheep are vulnerable. Yeah, they can kick a little, but they really can't do much to win in a fight when a wolf wants lunch. Their main defense is honestly to try and have another sheep eaten instead of them. I mean, seriously, sheep, they more or less move in flocks, and when predators come, they all gather together in their flock, and every sheep is actually pressing to try to get to the middle of that flock. Why? Because there's a lot to eat before they get to me. There's scientific research that shows, like, everyone is kind of really after themselves, you know? It's kind of interesting. Uh, a sheep, actually, though, is very interesting. It doesn't even need a wolf nearby to really be in danger, uh, maybe you've heard, but some sheep, as the picture shows there, if they just so happen to roll over onto their back, they will get completely stuck and won't be able to get back up by themselves. They can literally die from this if they are not helped back to their feet. They're extremely vulnerable creatures. 
Secondly, sheep stray. Thousands of years ago, the great philosopher Aristotle wrote about sheep. What does this great thinker have to say? He says, the sheep is a foolish and sluggish creature, aptest, in other words, most likely, aptest of anything to wander, though it feel no want, and unablest to return. Now I know, I know, Aristotle's pretty mean to sheep. Definitely get some hate mail today from all the sheep lovers out there, but one of the greatest thinkers in history, in a sense, was saying, I don't get it. <laughs> they don't seem to have a good reason. They just walk off with no plan. And then they can't get back on their own. <laughs> That's sheep. Third, sheep follow. Sheep have a natural instinct in them to follow. As you can see in the picture I've got up now, it's, it's a normal thing for sheep to self-organize in a line or, or an organized group and walk from one place to another, be at the next feeding location, be heading back into a pen for the night. They will even line up and just wait to be slaughtered. Josh short shared a story last week about 1,500 sheep that followed one after another after another off a cliff back in 2005. It's a true story. You can see it in the news. Look it up on the internet. Many of those sheep just jumping off to their deaths, right? They don't think about what they are doing. They have an instinct and they just naturally do it. They will also follow a shepherd, though. They can learn a shepherd's voice. They can learn a shepherd's face and other characteristics. And they can learn to trust a shepherd with their lives. So sheep are vulnerable. Sheep stray. And sheep follow. And all three of these characteristics are definitely in view when Jesus teaches us about his sheep. We are vulnerable. He talks in the beginning of John chapter 10 about thieves and robbers putting the lives of his sheep at risk. There are powerful forces out there wanting us to fail, and without a shepherd, the sheep will be helpless to defend themselves. And there are plenty of other biblical texts that also confirm we are not strong on our own. Our strength is to come from the Lord. We stray. This one, the Bible gives us a nice sheepy verse to just say it out for us. Isaiah 53, 6, God's word makes the clear comparison. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And then we are followers as well for good or ill. John 10 gives this picture of what it looks like when following goes right. When the good shepherd leads and the sheep will follow his voice, they will follow his direction and action. But other places in the New Testament also show us we'll follow other things that aren't so good for us. They show us what it looks like when following goes wrong. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus tells the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish faith at the time, some surprising news. He says, though you think that you have been following God, you have really been following your father, the devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul talks about the tendency for some people to follow money. They say money is the thing that they follow, and it says they have wandered away from their faith, very sheep-like illustration, and pierced themselves with many griefs. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he also gives a command to Christian. He says, stop conforming to the pattern of this world. 
and then change from that habit of following everyone else and doing what everyone else is doing so that we can ins instead, instead what? Not instead be an original trend-setting leader, no, but instead truly follow the life that Christ wants to lead us into. Stop following that and start following this. It's a nature the Bible picks up on over and over and over again. Admitting our sheep-like nature means owning this. We are vulnerable. We stray and we are prone to follow, even in ways that will hurt us. In short, we need a shepherd. Not just on call for those rare moments, you know. We might need a shepherd once or twice. No, we need a shepherd. We need someone who is better at life than we are. We need someone smarter, wiser than we are to plan our journeys. We need someone with more resources than we have to look out for us, provide for us, keep us safe. And there's no way we could deserve that relationship. Having that person be in our lives when they are of infinitely more worth than we are. But when we come to such a point that we are honest enough to admit our need and allow the Good Shepherd to lead us, that's when things really start to get good. The Good Shepherd invites us into a relationship where honesty is the price of admission. If we can't start there, we don't get into that relationship. So what do we do with this calling that Jesus gives us to be his sheep? First of all, we admit our sheep-like nature, and then we embrace the good shepherd his way. We embrace the good shepherd his way. I think a lot of people want to embrace the good shepherd, but they want to do it their own way. Jesus, please leave me now, but not later when things are back to normal, right? But, but the shepherd and sheep thing, the relationship there is not a timeshare system. Okay, shepherd, you're in charge Monday through Friday, but, you know, on the weekend, the sheep are going to tell you what to do. No. No. The shepherd leads always, always, every day, because the shepherd is far more qualified to lead. The shepherd is far more intelligent, and the shepherd is not a sheep. He's not vulnerable. He's not prone to wander or tempted to follow somebody else off a cliff. We've got to relate to him his way. What does that look like? Let's go back to John chapter 10, sheep chapter extraordinaire, one last time. Jesus says this in verses 3 through 5. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. How is this shepherd-sheep relationship supposed to work? In short, it's about knowing the shepherd's voice, refusing to listen to a strange shepherd and following where the good shepherd leads. It's not a complicated system. A sheep can understand it. You just commit to one shepherd all in. Learn everything you can about 
how he speaks, what he says, how he says it, what he means when he says it. Get to the point where you know what he'll say nine times out of ten. But you're still listening well enough that he can surprise you. You should know what your shepherd's going to say before he ever says it. Nine times out of ten, but you're still listening well enough that he can surprise you. Because if you know ten times out of ten, you've stopped listening. This is the first job of Jesus' sheep. It is the first job of Jesus' sheep. The other two jobs depend on this one. Know his voice. How are you doing with this one? How much do you invest in hearing from your shepherd? It takes time. It takes getting his word in you. It takes thought. It takes prayer. And, and here's something else it also takes. It takes obeying what you've heard. One of the things God's word teaches us is that if we stop responding to what God reveals to us, he will reveal less and less to us. So we could think we are learning more and more and more and more, but we're really not getting any better at knowing his voice. We will actually get worse if we do not obey what we have heard. Jesus' sheep know his voice. The second job, then, is a heck of a lot easier. Jesus' sheep refuse to follow a strange shepherd. Because they know the good shepherd's voice, they run from any authority with a different voice. Their life is not, you know, not guided by Jesus plus. It's just guided by Jesus. That doesn't mean that they have to shut everybody else in their world out. They can't have a conversation with anyone who is not Jesus. What it does mean is they can recognize a voice that goes against the voice of their shepherd. Because they know their shepherd so well. They know his voice so well, they will never follow a stranger. They'll recognize it right away. Finally, Jesus' sheep actually follow him wherever, whenever the good shepherd leads. They don't just identify with him. Yep, my shepherd. They don't just know him and know his voice. Got it all up here. They, they go with him. They go, they go with him. See, this is what people miss when they read the 23rd Psalm. It starts and ends with some great promises, some great encouragement, but the middle of the Psalm is a picture of actual following. We looked at verse 1 earlier, this, this wonderful declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. But look at how verses 2 through 4 prove that that is true. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I will walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. See, this is what it looks like. The shepherd goes, the sheep follows the shepherd instructs, the sheep obeys. The sheep will follow that shepherd to places of rest and refreshment, yes, but also on to right paths. And while that might sound great, I want to go on right paths, anyone with any bit of experience will tell you the right path is almost never the easy one. 
It's right, but it's usually not one you would choose yourself. But that's not all. The shepherd leads through dark and dangerous times, times where the sheep has to rely on his protection because they are in danger. They have to rely on his correction because they're still sheep. The rod and the staff are mentioned there. But the sheep keeps going anyway and submits to that correction, knowing and responding to the shepherd's voice. That's embracing the good shepherd his way. Let me end with this. I think it's real easy for us to hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, and our reaction is, yeah. He is the one that blesses us. He is good. He takes care of us. And don't get me wrong, all of those things are true. All of those things are biblical, and they're encouraging. But I don't think any of those things are the primary action we should associate with this title. They're there. But looking at John chapter 10, looking at Psalm 23, and seeing how Jesus teaches us about himself, I think the good shepherd is first and foremost about him being the leader. Jesus is the shepherd who leads his sheep into everything God is calling them to. Yes, there is blessing and care and protection, but more than that, there is calling out, walking ahead, instructing, guiding, and just plain leading. So, where do you need to follow him today? Because he's out front. He is out front. He is leading. He is beckoning. He is calling. He is speaking. Do you hear his voice? Do you know his voice? Or have you even admitted that you need a shepherd? He's ready for you. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. And you've been telling us that since before we were born. But we still have a hard time agreeing with you sometimes. But in our clearer-headed moments, we know we are like sheep. We are desperately needing a shepherd to lead us, to care for us, and protect us. Thank you that you stand ready, willing, able to lead us onward as soon as we will stop refusing you the position of leadership you so rightly deserve. For those here today who are already your sheep, God, help us to learn to trust you more. Help us to know your voice better. Help us to follow closely to your every step. For those here today who haven't put you first yet, I pray that today would be their day. Lord, that you would meet them in this opportunity so that they might have their moment of honesty with you admit their need, and choose to follow you from here on. Thank you, Good Shepherd, for blessing us beyond measure. In your name we pray. Amen.